Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by my friends over at ChopC60.com. If you haven't heard of Carbon 60 or otherwise called C60 before, it is a powerful Nobel Prize winning antioxidant that helps to optimize mitochondrial function, fights inflammation, and neutralizes toxic free radicals. I'm a huge fan of using C60 in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle to support your immune system, help your body detox, and increase energy and mental clarity. If you are over the age of 40 and you'd like to kick fatigue and brain fog to the curb this year, visit shopc60.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS for 15% off your first order and start taking back control over your health today. The products I use, I use their C60 in organic MCT coconut oil. They have it in various different flavors. They also have sugar-free gummies that are made with allulose and monk fruit. They also have carbon 60 and organic avocado and extra virgin olive oil. When it's combined with these fats, it absorbs more effectively. And carbon 60 is great as a natural energizing tool because it really helps your mitochondria optimize your energy production. Now, if you take it late at night, for some individuals, it may seem a little bit stimulating. So that's why we recommend taking it earlier in the day. And it will give you that great energy, that great, great mental clarity that you want all day long. It will help reduce the effects of oxidative stress and aging and really help you thrive. So again, guys, go to shopc60.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off your first order and start taking back control of your health today. If we're going to be healthy in the 21st century, we have got to keep inflammation under control. Inflammation is literally the root cause of all the different degenerative chronic health conditions, things like Alzheimer's, heart disease, Parkinson's disease, cancer, diabetes. These are all characterized by chronic inflammation. And so I went ahead and I interviewed some of the top experts in the world when it comes to inflammation and I actually created a summit. It was called the Chronic Inflammation Summit. We hosted it in May of 2021. You may have listened, you may not have, but I wanted to share some of my favorite interviews on this podcast. And this is one of them. You guys are going to get so much value out of this podcast. And if you know anybody that's struggling with any sort of chronic health conditions, maybe they have pain in their body, digestive issues, autoimmunity, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, brain issues, please share this podcast with them. It can literally change and save their lives. And if you haven't already, take a moment and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives. Thanks so much for doing that. And let's go into the show. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chronic Inflammation Summit, where we're getting to the root cause of chronic illness. And so today, we're going to talk a lot about neural inflammation. We're going to talk about 
the glymphatic system. That may be something you guys haven't heard of before, but it's really critical when it comes to helping your brain and your nervous system detoxify. We're going to talk about biotoxin illness, and we've got a fantastic expert. This is Dr. Christine Schaffner. She is a board-certified naturopathic doctor, and she combines both naturopathic, functional, and conventional therapies to develop individualized treatment plans focusing on the underlying cause of complex chronic illness. That includes things like Lyme disease, different autoimmune conditions, neurological illnesses, sleep issues, and a long list of other advanced health hurdles. She has a great uh, set of clinics, Eminence Health, where uh, her and her practitioners, they see people virtually as well as in person. And also she has a Spectrum of Health podcast. So Dr. Christine, welcome to the summit. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor. Well, absolutely. Well, I know that you have uh, been practicing and in the trenches for quite a while working with people with chronic complex issues. So you don't get the people that are just looking to lose, you know, 10 or 15 pounds. You get the people that have been to 10, 20 other practitioners. They can't sleep at night. They have chronic headaches, migraines, you know, whatever it is, chronic pain throughout their body, um, seizures. And uh, you're really doing a deep dive into figuring out what's going on there. And so obviously, you know, our topic today is neural inflammation. So let's start there. What is neural inflammation? How do you look at it? Mm -hmm. Great question. And, you know, my patients teach me every day. Um, and so my framework and understanding continues to evolve. And that's the exciting part of this uh, medicine. And I often say, you know, our patients have been ahead of their time as far as our understanding. And um, we're closing the gap, which is really exciting. And so um, I feel like we have more and more tools and strategies in a language to really understand these concepts. And so when we look at neuroinflammation, you know, we look obviously at um, inflammation in the nervous system, especially in the central nervous system. So I look at um, a lot of reasons why people will have what we call brain inflammation that can also, of course, affect their spinal cord and all of, the, of course, the nerves coming out of the spinal cord. And then that can relate to systemic symptoms. But we really focus on um, brain health because that's where um, a lot of our patients are challenged with. So a lot of the symptoms you just mentioned, Dr. Jockers, from uh, brain fog, insomnia, anxiety, depression, um, fatigue, all of these things, you know, really have um, a root in neuroinflammation. And I, you know, not to take this down this road too, too much, um, too quickly, but I think we're also fine-tuning our understanding of mental health as also looking at it through the lens of neuroinflammation. Of course, there are situational um, things that happen in people's lives to, um, you know, maybe insight depression, anxiety, but the, you know, it's really an epidemic, right? A lot of people are depressed and anxious. And so yeah. I not only look at that, you know, that lens, but looking at neuroinflammation as um, more and more of a root cause for people not to feel like their true selves. And so, um, you know, when we look at neuroinflammation, I often look at what, what are neurotoxins? So what are, um, what are going to have an affinity to the nervous system that can start creating inflammation? And you know, I, I know this is some of you've gone um, through this, you know, probably with every lecture that inflammation is a natural process, right? That we need to heal and repair and to stay healthy. But what happens is when we have a trigger or a constant bombarding, bombardment to our immune system that turns us into not an acute inflammatory process, then we recover and we heal and we move on, but we're stuck in this chronic inflammatory state. And that's where, unfortunately, our immune system, I always believe it's intelligent. It's not trying to do anything to harm us, but we just have these 
the, the immune system becomes hyper active and hypervigilant because of the constant assault um, that it's um, trying to navigate. And then we not only have the neurotoxic exposures, um, but we also have our um, inflammatory processes of regulating, creating a lot of symptoms in and of themselves. So, um, you know, when we look at um, brain inflammation, we often talk about the microglia, um, microglia or, or kind of, again, very oversimplifying like the Pac-Man in our, um, you know, immune system in our brain. And they're trying to um, constantly clear um, pathogens and toxicants. Um, but if that is, again, this constant exposure and they get signals, um, these microglia can start to just be in this uh, chronic inflammatory pattern rather than um, heal, repair, move on. And so that's just a big overview and we can take it in a, um, a lot of different directions. But I think neuroinflammation is at the root of a lot of chronic mm. illnesses and then taking it another step further. What are the things that are creating neuroinflammation and starting there? Yeah, that's great. And, and so for most people out there to understand too, the brain doesn't feel pain. So you know, when you have brain inflammation, you're not necessarily going to feel pain. Although, you know, in some cases you may have a headache if you've got a lot of swelling in there. In general, you're going to notice that your brain just isn't functioning as well or your mood may be impacted, whether it's anxiety or depression, things like that. We know that now that that is re related to inflammation in the brain. And so let's talk about some of those root cause factors. And mm -hmm. so, you know, where do you start? When somebody comes in, they're depressed, they're not sleeping well, uh, maybe they have anxiety. Where where do you start looking? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I find my job is really a detective, right? Because um, as you mentioned, a lot of people have tried a lot of things and, you know, they're already, you know, off of inflammatory foods and they've tried a lot of nutritional supplements and, and they've done their due diligence in so many ways. And so I'm going to start looking at the lens of things that are a little bit more outside of the box that we need to go to that level because um, they've tried things. And so, you know, my little inventory that I constantly have in my brain um, to help someone is looking for what we call um, interference fields and interference fields um, is this term that comes out of um, really uh, neural therapy and German biological um, medicine but the they can be either scars or focal infections that impact the body's ability to self-regulate and heal so when I think about those I think about the mouth is a huge place when we think about brain health so we look at what we would call dental interference fields so I ask people have they ever had an amalgam filling um, you know do they still have amalgam fillings so just getting them removed is just step one and kind of really removing the um, neurotoxic exposure of mercury that can uh, bioaccumulate um, for years and can affect uh, the cranial nerves and can get into the brain and the nervous system. So that can be a route so that mercury can get into the brain, creating neuroinflammation. And mercury is really insidious. It can affect us in so many um, ways. And the mouth is a really common exposure for some of my patients. Um, so uh, looking at history of amalgam comes we also look at history of root canals. Um, root canals um, are really not healthy for anyone uh, through the work of Dr. Weston Price, you know, almost a century ago. Um, you know, he was also finding this to be the case that um, when we have dead teeth, um, just taking out uh, the root and the nerve um, and, you know, filling it with non-biocompatible material, it's not going to be a sterile tooth. It's a dead tooth. It's a, it's the only place in medicine where we leave um, dead tissue in the body and 
um, hope for the best. And so this can um, harbor um, bacteria, also viruses, um, fungi, even um, amoebas or parasitic infections. And when we know even, you know, of course, conventional doctors, even those who um, cardiologists, we know the um, mouth is um, in the oral microbiome has a huge effect on us systemically and affects our heart health. Um, but of course, when we think about the brain, um, this can be, again, another um, route that's um, close to the brain and it can travel. These um, infections can travel via the circulatory system, the lymphatics. They can get into the um, neurons. Um, and then we also look, you know, from the um, acupuncture perspective, you know, our teeth actually develop from the same tissue as our brain. So we have that nervous system, brain, uh, dental connection, and then every tooth sits on an acupuncture meridian. So there are these amazing connections um, between our mouth um, and us systemically. And so we look at that connection of, okay, where would an amalgam be placed or a root canal um, tooth be placed? And let's say it's on um, tooth number seven. And let's say someone has, um, you know, chronic bladder or kidney infection. So there can be a relationship to the infection in that front tooth that aligns with the kidney bladder meridian. And so we have to look at the mouth. So just a little, you know, um, side yeah. note there. Um, so we look at, you know, amalgams, we look at root canals. We look at, um, I always ask patients if they've had their wisdom teeth removed and it's very common and often necessary however um, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Some people, um, you know, either are more vulnerable during that time and they don't heal properly or because of conventional dental practices, they don't take out the uh, the ligament of the tooth um, and leave that behind. And so then that tissue doesn't get the, um, the signal um, to heal and repair. And so there can be something in the jaw called a cavitation. And this can be kind of really a hole of necrotic bone where the, the, um, the tooth was removed. Um, and so it's interesting. Um, um, you know, we have um, often patients get that addressed and removed and send that tissue into a lab such as DNA Connections, and it's wild what's in there. So there can be mm. anything from, you know, a whole host of different bacteria to viruses to entamoeba to um, candida to um, Bartonella. Um, so it can be this pocket of infection that continues to put stress on the lymphatics, um, the circulatory system can get taken up um, into the nervous system, especially the vagus nerve. Um, the um, wisdom teeth sit on um, the uh, essentially the small intestine um, meridian, also connected to the, the hormones in the cardiovascular system. And when we think about the vagus nerve, right, the 10th cranial nerve, it has a lot to do with those organ wow. systems. And so if that, you know, if there's a brewing infection or uh, just think about it as like a reservoir, a home base that's safe, that the immune system can't get to. This can be a um, place where um, these pathog pathogens can live and then they can create um, distress in the body. And so the mouth is a big one. I can go, you know, um, you know, into that um, other aspects as well, but the mouth can be, um, you know, addressing um, dental interference fields can be some of the most rewarding work that we do. Um, however, you really want to do this with like really well-trained biological dentists and then either paired with either like a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor who knows how to work with biological dentists just to support your immune system. Um, it's not something that you just kind of want to do one day and kind of wander into because we want this to like lead you to health and not be an aggravation for you. Um, but I, I find there's a lot in the mouth that can affect and be at the root of brain inflammation. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. A great place to start what's happening in the mouth. Now, the type of um, scan is called a cone beam, right? To kind mm -hmm. of look for the yep. cavitations and things like that. Now, are you seeing that like a bio some biological dentists read that differently or 
maybe specialize in reading that better than other biological dentists? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, you know, um, that um, scan, that technology is, it's still um, in its infancy and that it's still, um, you know, it's um, a great tool to help us diagnose these cavitations um, that we used to just have to go through, you know, looking at 2D scans or going through clinical information. And then just, you know, there would be some great biological dentists who would just, you know, hey, it seems like this is a thing and then go in there and then find the infection. So our imaging is getting a lot better. Um, and yes, you know, unfortunately, just um, conventional dentists won't have a framework for this and they won't diagnose that. In a lot of great people, it's just not the right training to understand this. And then biological dentistry, I find that certain biological dentists really specialize. So they'll specialize in um, safe mercury removal, and that's great, you know, and then there's going to be some who are going to specialize in um, root canal extraction or cavitation surgery um, using different implants, especially, you know, avoiding titanium implants and just using zirconia. So you want to look for a dentist and, you know, they might not advertise this all on their website, unfortunately, yeah. because of the state of, you know, our health and our system, but a phone call or kind of a consult can get you down that bell rapport and that you can get that information. But typically, um, these are biological dentists who have a language that they do zirconia implants, that they use ozone in their office, they, they use something mm. called platelet-rich fibrinogen to help um, the, basically use your own stem cells to heal the bones. So those are some key words that you're going to be looking for um, when interviewing a biological dentist, but a great question. And, you know, the, everyone has their specialty in their niche. And then of course, um, because of the state of medicine, everyone has to, you know, watch their license and watch, um, you know, um, you know, just walk that line of helping one person versus getting, you know, on someone's radar. So they're going to um, navigate, everyone's going to navigate that a little differently, but this is really important work. Um, I, you know, I've only been practicing 10 years and this has been definitely a through line um, that often patients come to me still with an issue in their mouth that hasn't been addressed yet. Mm. Yeah. So if you have chronic issues, if you've plateaued, this is definitely a, a key area to look at. Mm. Now let's talk about other things. How about mold? Yeah. How do you start to identify that as an yeah, issue? Yeah, mold is huge. And again, there's so much information. It's just amazing. And I'm so grateful that, you know, the information has exploded, you know, on the yeah. internet that people have more of an understanding. When I graduated from Bastyr, I think um, Surviving Mold just came out from Dr. Shoemaker. Yeah. He just was, you know, paving the way. Um, he has a really great framework. Um, mold can affect people in different ways, right? So there, when we're talking about mold, often what we're talking about is mold associated with water damaged buildings. Um, and so that can um, be really... Um, harmful to many humans. It's not good for anyone, but um, from a lot of um, work from Dr. Shoemaker, about 25% of the population doesn't tag and clear mold as well as other people. And so when you have a water damage building, you have not only mold, there's all sorts of other things that become exposed into the air, but there are these molds, especially like aspergillus and ketomium and wallamia and stachybotrys. So there's, um, you know, the exposure to mold. And then what can be so detrimental is that when we inhale those mold spores, those spores produce mycotoxins. And mycotoxins are a biotoxin. So you mentioned biotoxins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we take a step back, think of what are neurotoxic. I mentioned um, mercury, but there's a whole realm of biotoxins that can have an affinity for the nervous system. Mycotoxins are with 
within biotoxins and they're produced by um, mold spores or spore fragments. Um, mycotoxins have an affinity for um, the nervous system. They're lipophilic, so they're going to be more prone to getting absorbed into our nerves, into our brain, also our bone marrow, um, the omentum in our gut. Dr. Joe Krista is a naturopathic physician who's done a lot of great work on um, giving people a lot of tangible tools to understand mycotoxin illness. So when we think about how mold is at the root for neuroinflammation, it's not only you know the exposure to the mold, but it's also um, the mycotoxin exposure. And then what happens to um, what Dr. Shoemaker basically educated all of us, it's not just that piece alone, but it's this chronic inflammatory pathway that gets completely dysregulated. And so when we're looking at somebody who um, has been exposed to water damage, we'll also take um, a look at their sinuses. There's often a chronic dysbiosis in the sinuses. There can be an overgrowth of a coagulase negative stem. There can also be a fungal sinusitis. So there's basically a biotoxin, mycotoxin factory in your sinuses that because the sinuses um, have a, um, an entry into the brain uh, through the cribriform uh, plate, it's very important what's happening in the sinuses when we're thinking about root causes of neuroinflammation and also recovering somebody from neuroinflammation. So a chronic um, sinus infection can be an interference field to the brain. So we can actually take swabs and see, you know, what is um, growing in the sinuses. Um, I just did a lung cleanse and I, you know, it's fun to do these things because I learned and um, I found that there's this probiotic um, lactobacillus sakai, which is um, a probiotic that's made from actually kimchi um, mm. and sake and it, it's found in low amounts in people who are more prone to um, allergic rhinitis, fungal sinusitis or marcons. So it's always like, how can we use the microbiome to mm. support us, right? So we do do a lot of sinus um, sprays and, you know, from herbs to medications to biofilm breakers, but then there's also this opportunity to using the um, healthy microbes to um, work in our favor um, to create um, more of a balanced microbiome in the sinuses. So we think of mold, um, we think of the sinuses, and then part of that chronic inflammatory pathway, because of this kind of brewing dysbiosis in the sinuses, that can affect neuroregulatory peptide production from the hypothalamus and the pituitary. Um, one keynote um, sign, you know, that um, people come into my office with is um, that they're frequently thirsty and they urinate a lot. And, it, you know, I know if someone's in my office and they have to get up to pee like four times within a, you know, hour or two hour appointment, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to look for this. And so often there is um, a lowered level of antidiuretic hormone, um, that um, it's a pituitary um, hormone and people can be in this constantly dehydrated state when they have low antidiuretic hormones. So we can test for it. Sometimes people need um, hormone replacement and sometimes it's just, you know, treating the sinuses, getting out of the mold and then repleting with minerals. Um, so that's just kind of a connection with the sinuses in the brain. There are other peptides like VIP and MSH that you can look for in a lab. Um, other, you know, when you look at a shoemaker panel of chronic inflammatory response syndrome, we look at inflammation markers, like I just said, ADH, VIP, NSH, but also TGF-beta-1, C4A. All of this information is on a website called Surviving Mold. And I'm sure your you know, mm -hmm. website is awesome yeah. that you probably have all this dialed in. And so, you know, again, so mold exposure can create neuroinflammation 
from a couple different angles. So it creates it from the mycotoxin exposure, the mycotoxins get in the brain and create inflammation. Um, also the um, dysbiosis in the sinuses that can be an interference field and can create um, inflammation in the brain. And then there's this chronic inflammatory path that really creates all, you know, these dysregulated inflammatory markers can create a whole multi-systemic symptom picture from brain fog to insomnia, to anxiety, depression, a lot of um, gut issues, a lot of pain a lot of inflammation in the body. So mold illness um, can be definitely affect you systemically. And a clue for that could be like, you know, when people were traveling more, I'd ask, oh, do you feel right. better when you're outside your home? Or when did you first start um, getting sick? And it's um, really important to Dr. Shoppers, um, a lot of people, oh, my home doesn't have mold or I have a new construction. It's it's fine, you know, and, you know, I, I really try to continue to remind myself when I start with a new patient, I should really just have it just be everybody needs to do a hurts me too test or just to mm. some old screen because you know people spend so much energy and money on getting better and I just my heart aches if I if I miss that if I'm like oh I thought that was covered and it wasn't so what the test that I would just mention there's a lot of different tests these days but the one that I've gotten just acclimated to use um is called the hurts me too it's from Mycometrics, and you just collect your dust in your home um you send it in and then that just takes the five most pathogenic molds associated with water damage um, buildings and then you can get a screen again there can be some false negatives with that but it's a good screen to kind of tell you to go deeper yeah. and you know mold remediation you could have a whole summit on that but um but right. you know knowledge is power awareness is the first step and to understand that that could be a route but um but yeah that those are just some you know mold insights. I could totally talk more. I mean, I guess the only other two things around mold that I've seen is that mold can suppress your immune system, right? So mycotoxins, when you read about mycotoxins, I mean, they do every, they kill the liver, the kidneys, you know, they're um, carcinogenic, they're neurotoxic, they're immunosuppressive. So if you have a high burden, you can really, your immune system can be more vulnerable than you have secondary probably infections like viral activation or Lyme activation or candida overgrowth. So getting that layer out of your body and then kind of seeing what, you know, what your baseline is can be helpful. And mycotoxin testing is um, more affordable than it used to be. Um, it used to be like $800 for a year in yeah. test. And now it's like, it's still a cost, but not as much as like two to 300. Um, and that can give us insight. You know, I see a lot of patients with high aquatoxin A and then I'm like, okay, right. we got to figure out where the aspergillus is and so forth. And then just the other, other thing that I don't want to miss with the mold. Um, you know, we see a lot of um, highly sensitive patients, right? Highly reactive, highly sensitive, mm. whether they're multiple chemical sensitive or um, this kind of spectrum of mast cell activation syndrome. I feel mold can be at the root of that for some people. So as we lower the body burden and of course avoid exposure and then lower the body burden, get rid of the focal infections and um, correct the inflammation, um, that can really um, help decrease people's sensitivity over time. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite supplements. It's Paleo Valley's grass-fed organ complex. It's like a supercharged multivitamin that allows you to get a full spectrum of traditional superfoods loaded with nutrients into your body faster, easier, and without having to tolerate the taste. You see, grass-fed organ complex contains not one, but three organs. It contains heart, liver, and kidney, which are extremely rich in B vitamins, vitamin A, minerals, coenzyme Q10, key things like selenium. These nutrients support your energy, your mental clarity, your immune health, 
as well as your skin. And they're found in the most bioavailable form that our ancestors used to get. You see, whenever our ancestors would kill an animal, they would go right for the organ meat. So the most coveted parts, because that's really where the life force was. They didn't understand nutrients, but today we know that's where the B vitamins, the CoQ10, the vitamin A, the key minerals are really concentrated in these organs as opposed to the muscle meats. And most of us are just not consuming organ meats on a regular basis, but now you can. You can get grass-fed organ complex, get these vital nutrients, they're freeze-dried to really preserve as much of the nutrients as possible. And you can take this again in, in, in replacement of some sort of a multivitamin that you may have been taking before. Guys, check it out. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. Yeah, that was really good. And there's some good uh, clinical gems there too, just the frequent thirst. So the mold, the mycotoxins affect the hypothalamus and pituitary gland and the uh, effect of antidiuretic hormone. And so a lot of times people are constantly thirsty and having to urinate all the time. I know uh, in my early 20s when I was in graduate school, I was in a moldy home and uh, that I, I, I was always thirsty and I, yeah, I was always in the bathroom. So, um, so I do remember that. And uh, yeah, so that's a great clinical jam plus, plus frequent colds, fevers, flus, um, possibly, you know, activation of Epstein-Barr virus, things like that due to a weakened immune system, um, mm -hmm. sinus congestion. These are all things to be looking out for if you're traveling and you feel better when you travel, you just, you get, you get out of your home and you, you just notice that you feel significantly better. All really good clinical gems to clue you in that mold might be an issue driving up the neural inflammation in your system. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about Lyme disease because it mm -hmm. tends to be like a little bit more of an opportunistic infection. One person could be bitten by a tick that, that has Lyme and really have no major symptoms. And another person can get bit and have their entire life completely derailed. So let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that and how, how you get to the root cause of that. Because not everybody has like the bullseye rash. Sometimes people don't even remember yeah. being bitten by a tick. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. And I, um, you know, the more I dive into this medicine and this, um, you know, practice of medicine, you know, I really have a firm um, belief in, you know, the terrain of the body, right? And the this terrain concept comes, you know, again, from biological medicine, yeah. this idea it's not just about the pathogen, but it's about the host response to the pathogen. Right. And especially as we record this right now, you know, there's a lot of talk about one pathogen and it's just, sure. you know, I'm coming from, you know, the perspective of, okay, how do we really create a resilient terrain? Cause you know, we're all on the planet right now. There's a ton of stress. There's a ton of um, exposures, but how do we use that knowledge to create strength and resilience within our own body? And we can do that. We absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, our immune systems are resilient. Our bodies are always, um, trying to self-regulate and move towards health. It's just what's in the way. So to your point, you know, I, um, you know, I started off from day one, you know, treating patients um, with Lyme disease and my ideas around Lyme have kind of, um, you know, grown over the years. And I think Lyme is a great word though, to share, you know, the, it helps people identify the patients who have been sick for a long time and they have a multi-systemic illness and they've been typically disturbed by conventional medicine, right? Yeah. Well, they're going to go to Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, God bless them. It's just, they don't have the framework 
homework for this. And so they're just given very little information and told like they need Prozac, right? So that's the, the line kind of has been that umbrella for helping people, um, you know, communicate about these modern illnesses. So when we talk about Lyme, we're talking about Borrelia, um, but we're also talking about co-infections. And the co-infections tend, in, um, in my perspective, to make people more symptomatic. Um, and you, to your point, you know, there I see this all the time. Um, there can be one, you know, um, there can be a partnership and one family member is um, deathly ill while the other person um, has probably had the same exposures and is very healthy, right? So, you know, again, it's not just about the exposure, it's about the immune system. And so yeah. that's where we really, you know, go into these ideas of interference fields because this is often the case, you know, so maybe someone um, might have been, you know, typical patient, maybe they were born, maybe their mother had a, an exposure to Lyme. So maybe that that was, you know, their first exposure to Borrelia in the womb, you know, then they, you know, maybe they were C-section births, so they don't get the microbiome from the mom. Maybe they have the typical vaccination, so then they can, you know, have that immune weakness, and then they, they go to college, they live in a moldy home. Um, then they get the Gardasil shot or, you know, go through a stressful time. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose and they're, you know, like, I have Lyme disease, what happened? And they probably had Lyme in their body this whole time, but their terrain has shifted so strongly that their body can't control it anymore, you know? And so then that's where we have to do, do our work on removing these stressors so the body can really have the energy to self-regulate and heal. So I, I have no illusion. I'm, I'm very well-versed that I know that spirochetes absolutely create a, a lot of symptoms in the body and can be devastating to the brain. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's, you know, why is that allowed to happen, right? Why is that, you know, allowed to happen? And, you know, if you have a brain where your astrocytes are full of mercury, you know, Borrelia it might be able to slip through the blood brain barrier more easily make you know make a home and then you know you're sleeping by a wi-fi router right and then you know over time these things you know so there's just this complexity to everything that you know, we know and that we treat. Um, and so Lyme is definitely important. It's definitely something that a lot of my patients have and we have to treat. Um, but it's, as you said, it's probably been with them far longer than, um, you know, um, than they realize. And, you know, it's not the only thing that's making them sick. Um, I do have those handful of patients who, you know, and it's very rare though for, for me that they, they know when they got bit, they know, right. you know, when they started getting sick. And, and that is, you know, of course, that has to be the focus of treatment, um, but I see more of this kind of um, progression, these, you know, combination of insults that eventually lead to um, complete dysregulation in the body that we have to unwind. And mm. I guess for, um, you know, patient, or the listeners, just um, so I um, can explain the co-infection piece, so there's Borrelia and then co-infections are often co-transmitted along with Borrelia. So Borrelia, you know, we know that it is transmitted by ticks, but it's really evolved and we call it a vector born illness. And, you know, I'm jaded. I just feel like everyone's kind of been exposed at this point, just with all the routes of exposure from mosquitoes yeah. to fleas, to sexual transmission, to maternal fetal transmission. So we just have to, it's kind of part of our ecosystem at this point. Um, and then these co-transmissions can be with um, Babesia, which is a, um, a protozoa that lives in the red blood cells. So that can present as migraine headaches, anxiety, night sweats, air hunger. Bartonella um, can be real, very devastating to the nervous system. It can present as a neurological illness, a lot of vagus nerve um, uh, dysfunction. Our POTS patients tend to have a Bartonella infection. There's also rickettsia, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, anaplasma, mycoplasma, 
asthmas and chlamydia pneumonies, I lump in there too. Um, but these are the more the co-infections that are co-transmitted with Borrelia and that can create more symptoms. It's really Borrelia, Babesium, Bartonella are the big three that, you know, once you get a hold of those, um, people tend to feel better. But, you know, Lyme can absolutely, Lyme and co-infections have an affinity for uh, the brain, can be part of neuroinflammation. Um, and, you know, also it's not just the bugs, but the biotoxins they produce that can also right. overwhelm the brain and these tissues that can create chronic inflammation as well. Yeah, it was a really great explanation. So let's start talking about healing strategies and uh, the glymphatic system. I know we mentioned that in our intro. Yeah. So let's talk about the importance yeah. of the glymphatic system and how to really get that working right. Yeah, and I um, this is a, one of the things I'm most passionate about talking about because as mm-hmm. I just kind of bum everyone out with all the all the things that we have to be worried <laughs> about, right? You know, the lymphatic system is one of the the best ways that we can create um, a healthy terrain within our brain, right? And again, just it's newly discovered. I think I mean we've had a knowledge and understanding maybe in biological medicine around this, but it really wasn't you know um, found in science and since I think 2015. And so um, this is our lymph system in our brain. So it's the dependent lymphatic system or the lymphatic system. And essentially when we sleep, why sleep is so important, not only for us to feel good, but for our brains to maintain and be healthy is that our brains shrink about 60% in size and lymph actually um, floods our neurons. So it um, lymph kind of basically bathes um, our brain and then um, it flows along the arteries. And then these glial cells or astrocytes, um, if you look at them on Google there, um, they look, they have these spidery like web tentacles around the cell and they have these things called end feet and they regulate water flow around neurons. And so the lymph kind of floods through the brain neurons. So bringing nutrition to our neurons, so those are the cells in the brain, and then removing waste. So not only normal metabolic waste, um, also amyloid beta that can be built up, um, and that can be a hallmark of cognitive impairment. Um, So the lymphatic system helps to clear um, amyloid beta. And then it also helps to um, remove um, metals from the brain and pesticides from the brain and viruses and Lyme and uh, Mm -hmm. parasitic infections. And so it's really um, one of the, I think the found, you know, when I learned about this, I'm like, we should all be screwed about this because this is the foundation for um, preventing any you know neurological disease and recovering from one. So the key things that we think about, of course, is sleep is really important. So we want to have healthy sleep. But a lot of these patients have dysregulated sleep because of all the things that are creating neuroinflammation. Some other strategies that I always like to um, talk about is we want to look at um, you know downstream. So our lymphatic system is this like body wide network, and the lymph, even though it's in the brain, we have a whole lymphatic system in the rest of our body. So if our lymphatic system is stagnant or not flowing well in the rest of our body, that can create pooling or congestion in the brain. So we want the lymph to be able to flow out of the brain. And so keeping the lymphatics open in the cervical um, lymph nodes is really important. And if you have sinus issues and dental issues and maybe Epstein-Barr, you might have congestion in your cervical lymph nodes. So um, we have different topicals we use um, to just kind of really open up the drainage pathway in the neck. And then of course, it goes without saying you want to address the sinuses in the mouth to help, you know, that downstream effect. The other big piece of the lymphatic system 
is, you know, optimizing melatonin production. So the pineal gland um, produces melatonin. And uh, unfortunately, it can also be affected by a lot of environmental toxicants. So fluoride, aluminum, glyphosate, electrosmog can all affect our pineal gland's production of melatonin. And melatonin is essential for our circadian rhythm. But, you know, nature is really wise. Melatonin that's also highly neuroprotective and assists the lymphatic system in removing pathogens and toxicants from the brain. Um, so I, I think that's always so cool when I, we learn about melatonin. Yeah. So finding a melatonin that writes, uh, works well for you. Some people don't tolerate melatonin and that can be individual or it could be a detox reaction to what the melatonin is assisting their brain from clearing. I've seen that um, be the case where sometimes people get that melatonin hangover in the morning and then we give them DMSA at night alongside that. And that DMSA is there to capture lead and mercury and other self-hydro self-hydroaffinitive metals alongside that. And that has been wild. I mean, people feel actually better um, when they combine those. So you can do binders. You have to work with a physician to do DMSA, but you can do different binders alongside. Um, And then just optimizing your own body's production of melatonin. I believe we live in a very melatonin deficient time. Um, I think the blue light at night, you know, can really be affecting us. Not only the blue light from our electronics, but also um, Wi-Fi. Um, so turning off your Wi-Fi router at night can be helpful. And then just, um, you know, we we get uh, melatonin also, uh, the precursor is serotonin. And then a lot, if you have a lot of gut dysbiosis and, you know, glyphosate disrupts as well for lots of reasons. Um, so uh, you might have um, low serotonin and then serotonin can be depleted and not make as much um, melatonin. So I think, you know, a lot of people say, well, you don't want to supplement melatonin and then your body won't produce it. I'm a little bit, again, you know, I'm in my bubble where where I see, and I just feel like um, we live in such a melatonin deficient time and melatonin is such an ally to keep us healthy and keep us strong. It's a really strong antioxidant. Um, You know, it's used in cancer therapy. It's used in a lot of things to be protective to us. So I just, I find that it's a great tool. um, What kind of dosages do you like with melatonin? Yeah, you know, so um, we use a lot of liposomal melatonin. So that's mm-hmm. going to be something that's um, whenever anything's um, liposomal, we combine it with phosphatidylcholine to make it more easily into nerves and into um, the brain. So, you know, often, you know, if someone's sensitive, we'll start low and low for us is like six milligrams. And then mm-hmm. we can easily go up orally to 20 milligrams to 30 milligrams. And then the thing that has been, you know, eye-opening to me over the last three or four years, we've been using higher melatonin doses um, to help detoxify the brain. And so we'll use compounded creams. So we'll do 125 to 250 milligrams. Again, when you're using the transdermal channel, it's going to be a little bit of a different course Mm -hmm. of action. And then there's also suppositories that are 200 to 400 milligrams. Again, do this under the guidance of a physician because there's certain contraindications around melatonin, especially if you're on prescriptions. Um, And then also um, we want to make sure that you're um, rounding out all the support that you need when you um, have that. But it's honestly, I was always a little worried when we started doing the high doses. Um, and I've been just really pleasantly um, surprised how well tolerated it is. And as um, as you well know, um, you know, when we look at the root causes of neuroinflammation, once something gets into the side of the brain, it can be hard to get out. I mean, we're getting better at it, but yeah. melatonin is, you know, that chelator we've all wanted, right? It gets mm. into the brain and removes things. And so um, I just think there's a whole, you know, there's a lot of research on melatonin. Um, there's a lot of research on detox 
strategies in melatonin, but I think we can even do better. And um, I think this can become a really, yeah, life extending and brain enhancing um, detox strategy and of course sleep strategy as well. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And and you mentioned the melatonin hangover. Is that where like people, because some people have told me when they take melatonin at night, they have more trouble getting up in the morning. Is that what you're referring to there? Yeah, yeah. Kind of that groggy feeling like they feel like overly tired or overly sedated. And, you know, and that can be the case for some people, but it's also what my patients have taught me is that when we pair that with a detox strategy like DMSA, they don't feel as groggy. So that what that tells me is that the melatonin could be just moving something out of the brain and then the body isn't ready to handle that. And that fatigue is really, um, for lack of a better terminology, a detox reaction. And then when, if we address, um, you know, the body and help the body mop that up, often metals kind of come up out out that night or other things um, Mm. alongside um, that people can, you know, have their energy in the morning and um, just support that that strategy better. Yeah. And outside of DMSA, which is a a pharmaceutical uh, binder, what are some other binders somebody could use? Yeah. So, um, you know, we use chelators and that, you know, you have to use that under supervision and all that. And then um, binders are really like a lifestyle strategy for us. So binders Mm -hmm. are really wonderful. I think if you do one thing for your health, um, rotate binders. And so I'll use anything from uh, chlorella uh, to zeolite, to kind of combination binders that use, um, you know, different things um, like different types of charcoal to clays. Um, I like a binder called Enteros Gel, which is a silica-based binder. I like modified citrus pectin, uh, brown allergies um, like PC Clonia Cava. Um, I like fulvic and humic acid. I've been using more of the cell core binders because people can take those without with or without food, so they yeah. work really well. Um, and so those are kind of like the top, you know, binders, you know, I use, um, and binders are, um, yeah, just great for just, um, being there in the, um, digestive tract for when the bile is eliminated and, um, in the mm. intestines. And then the binders are there to bind, um, the toxicants that the liver, you know, just so, um, you know, tried so hard to remove that they yeah. get out through the stool rather than recirculated. And so that, um, that is, yeah, a really great foundational strategy for one's health. Yeah, and some binders sit in the gut and are a little bit stronger in the gut, and others can actually get out into circulation, like fulvic acid can get out in circulation, the chlorella, whereas like activated charcoal and clay tend to stay more so in the gut. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, different binders are going to have different affinities for, you know, whether it's what, you know, biotoxins or mycotoxins or metals in the gut. And some can, of course, you know, leave um, and do work um, and then get you know, those toxicants out either through the liver or the kidney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I like how you said binders are, are a way of life. So mm-hmm. some of these binders are things that people can be taking really on an ongoing basis since we live in such a toxic world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good idea to be really working on, on detoxification. In fact, I've heard some people say detoxification is more important than nutrition when it comes to our overall health. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel that is the truth. And I, um, you know, cause I, I think, um, you know, again, going back to the premise, we know how to self-regulate and heal. So what, what is in the way it's usually these, um, unfortunately man-made chemicals or industrial chemicals that yeah. 
overburden and bioaccumulate in our body over time. And I am in complete agreement. And that also makes our terrain more vulnerable and our immune system more weak to the things like Lyme or mold exposures or viral exposures and so forth. So I think detoxification is um, the thing that we need to do um, to create a resilient terrain and to really have a healthy life. Hmm. Now, do you rotate binders or you're using specific binders that you find to be more effective for specific biotoxins? I'll typically rotate them. Typically, my patients are dealing with more than one thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, even though we'll maybe be focused on mycotoxins, you know, they still have mercury or they still have, you know, Lyme biotoxins. So often I use two binders two to three times a day in my protocols and can rotate them. I usually update people's protocols depending on how um, sick they are um, every six to 12 weeks. And so um, usually we have a, you know, kind of a period of time where we're doing that. And then um, they're great. You know, I kind of feel like a broken record a lot of the times in treatment um, when people are going through like a parasite cleanse or treating their Lyme or even, you know, doing Mm -hmm. antifungals or whatever we're doing. Um, You know, if there are these uh, potential Herxheimer effects or die-off reactions, one of the first things that I will say is and suggest is um, increase your dose of binders. And that can absolutely right. help smooth the path and people. It's just this, you know, the work that we do is this equation as we're um, killing and eliminating. We want to make sure that the paths of um, mm-hmm. drainage and detoxification are open and that we can really bind those biotoxins that are being produced by the things that we're trying to remove from the body so that we, um, we feel well through treatment. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Absolutely. Well, this has been a really, really fascinating interview. And I think our listeners have gotten a lot of great information on 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 just neural inflammation in general and the glymphatic system. We've talked a lot about different areas to focus on mycotoxins, obviously the oral cavity, your mouth, how, how critical that is. We talked about Lyme disease. We just talked about the creating resilience, immune resilience in general. Um, love, uh, you know, your ideas on melatonin. I think that's really powerful and gave, gave some great clinical insight there. Any last words of inspiration or any other clinical gems you feel, feel like uh, our listeners should know? Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I, you know, this is probably... Um, I don't want to sound too trite, but I I really feel that one of the most powerful things that you can do when you are suffering from a chronic illness, um, again, the the information is evolving. Like doctors like yourself and myself and, you know, our colleagues, we really have more and more of a handle on how we need to approach your health and help you. Um, But I think one of the things, um, and when people have been sick for so long, they kind of lose their connection uh, to their purpose or their passion or seeing Mm. their life um, be different from being ill. Um, So just putting um, energy, just as much energy as, you know, getting your mold test done, putting um, energy into what is, um, what does your life look like when you're going to be fully functioning and well? And that's one of my favorite yeah. questions to ask patients. Like, so what are you going to do when you feel better? And sometimes I take people back because they, if they forget, like this is all a path. So you feel better and you can get back to life. And that's what I'm so passionate about. Well, I love that. You know, we can't just take ownership uh, in a sense. We can't just identify with our condition. We want to identify with, uh, with being healthy, being uh, full of life and, uh, and seeing that positive uh, 
aspect and that positive future. So I love that. And that's really why we're doing this Chronic Inflammation Summit. So thanks again so much for your time. This has been a fantastic interview. Guys, you can check her out, drchristineschaffner.com. Check her out. She's also got a great clinic, Eminence Health. If you're looking for, for uh, health information, if you're looking for a great naturopathic doctor that will go and find the root cause and really spend the time and customize a plan for you, definitely check her and her team out. And also she's got a great podcast, Spectrum of Health podcast. So check that out. Guys, we'll see you on a future interview. Everybody be blessed. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on, or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.